This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. For several decades, a rapidly emerging new medical paradigm has been the driving force behind a renaissance in our understanding of lifelong wellness. In his new book, A Return to Healing, Radical Healthcare Reform and the Future of Medicine, our guest today, Len Saputo, presents the story of this new medicine, reveals how it can unlock the door to a health system that works for all Americans. Saputo, a 1965 graduate of Duke University Medical School, is board certified in internal medicine. He founded the Health Medicine Forum in 1994 and went on to found and direct the Health Medicine Center in Walnut Creek, California, one of the first integrative clinics. Len Saputo, welcome to Weekly Signals. Hi, Mike and Nathan. Nice to be on the program. Well, thanks so much for being on. Uh, How are you doing today? Are you up in uh, Walnut Creek right now? I am at my office and uh, just getting ready to have a good day. All right, very good. Is is the weather fine up there? Are you? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. All right, yeah, it's another sunny California day that's just about right. Yeah, well, I've, I've been up there several times and really enjoyed enjoyed that area quite a bit. Had some friends that lived up there for a while, so so good for you that you're up there. Now, well, I came from from Chicago originally, so it's a blessing to be in a place oh. where there's great weather. And a uh, great community. Absolutely. Now, now was that uh, was that forty years ago? Or forty years ago is when I started practicing medicine. It's hard wow. to believe. Where'd the time go? Yeah, absolutely. And and you after you at what point in this process, you know, where you're studying medicine and practicing medicine, did you uh, decide that it was time to reform our system? The where the system that we were in didn't make sense to you anymore. I think it happened about the first day I went to medical school. <laughs> I had the idea there that it was going to be a camaraderie. We'd be working together. Everybody would be supporting one another in a community of healers. And to my surprise, it was pretty competitive and adversarial. There were lots of challenges that uh, we went through during the 10 years of training that we did. And a lot of it wasn't really healthy for me as a human being, nor was it for the others. Fact is, most people don't realize this, but a New York Times article about oh maybe six or eight months ago came out showing that eleven percent of people going through their medical training actually contemplate suicide. Really, it's pretty brutal. And what you really like to have is is a doctor that is treated really well during training. So when they come out, they've got this loving approach where they want to be with you and support you, and instead of being battle scarred. Yeah, I, it, they don't love each other. They're not going to be likely to love you. I... Right. Now, right. Are you saying that most of this, uh, what you didn't like about medical school and what made you think it needed to be reformed was the competitive nature? That was some of it. At the time, you know, it, it was really difficult to, to get through to start with because the hours are long. A lot of the material didn't have a whole lot to do with what I needed to know at a practical level. There were a lot of tests. So you had to answer questions a certain way, even if it was controversial. Uh, and, and that was the start. And then when I got out into practice and I saw what I was doing, it took me about 15 years to figure out that drugs and surgery aren't what primary care is all about, even though that was, you know, what they led me to believe. So, so go ahead. So go ahead. So what I was doing is is trying to find a new way to do things. I had my patients all taking 
four, five, six drugs. Uh, they seem to be stabilized pretty well, but a lot of them would never get off the drugs they were on. I mean, some of them would, but a lot of them wouldn't. Uh, there were lots of side effects to what I was doing uh, and, and complications. So I began to think there just has to be a better way. And then things like lifestyle, you know, if you eat right and you exercise and you sleep right and you, and you work with nature instead of fighting against nature, it's not about fighting heart disease and diabetes and on all the diseases we're seeing epidemics of. It's about living with, in peace and, and, uh, and comfortably with nature. Just follow the simple rules. So I began to change my thinking. And so now probably the most important thing I think of when I think of, of uh, helping people is maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Now, did you have any, were there any repercussions with the medical establishment when you were doing this? Did you, or did you segue out easy enough that they didn't realize exactly what was going on? Well, it was a big transition for me. It was almost like coming out of the closet uh -huh. because uh, I was doing a different style of med medicine. I stopped using medicines. I hardly ever write a prescription now. My patients feel pretty good. They change their lifestyle around, their hypertension, their diabetes, their heart disease, uh, their obesity are all things that we can deal with. And and I think that what I learned is that you, you can... You can practice this way very effectively. It doesn't generate a lot of business from the point of view of needing drugs and surgery and other technologies because people, they pretty much get well. Yeah. So it was, it was a big shift for me. And, and when my colleagues found out what I was doing, I actually uh, did a grand rounds as sort of my debut. This is back in the early 90s. And so I think medicine's going to the dogs. Uh, we're into managed care. We've got protocols to follow that are being given to us by people that uh, don't know medicine that well because we gave up the purse strings of medicine. I think that lifestyle is more important than trying to put out fires. It's a lot more effective. It's, it's safer. And people want to get well, and they can. For about uh, a few weeks, I was the hero. Everybody thought I was wonderful. And then it came to a point where... I was kind of on my own because I thought, well, I'd really gone around the bend because we'd been trained to use drugs and surgeries, and it seems to be working reasonably well, and we're getting lots of pats on the back from big pharma and from the insurance industry. And then there was probably about a 10- or 15-year hiatus there where I was really outside the mainstream and was thought of as an alternative medicine doctor. Now I'm beginning to get invitations to grand round presentations at local hospitals. Yeah. So... We're speaking with Len Saputo. The book is A Return to Heating, Healing. Sorry, Mike. No, that's um, the, uh, I, I just, you, having been 40 years in, in uh, medical care, mm -hmm. the, the arc of, of what you're, sort of the uh, background and all of what you're saying seems to me to, to be saying that uh, profit became um, as important in the health care of Americans as the actual care itself. Is it became, became became more important. Yeah. I mean, how else can you achieve the following scenario? We sent we spend two point three trillion dollars a year, which is twice as much as any other country in the world. It comes to over seventy five hundred dollars per person per year. It uses eighteen percent of the gross national product. A little country called Oman spends five hundred dollars a year. They're ranked in the top ten. How can you achieve spending all that money? and not have the best health care system in the world. fact is we're ranked 19th 
of all industrial, there are only 19 industrialized countries. We're 19th in overall quality of care and actually 37th by the World Health Organization. So there are basically third world countries ranked in front of us. How do you achieve that? I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. You, you have to work hard. It has to be a, your goal has to be about making money or generating money. It's a great stimulus package. And I think that's why Barack Obama is having such a hard time trying to come up with a program that's for we the people. Well, let's get into this because, I, I mean, while you have written books in the past uh, about better ways to better take care of yourself, the more mm-hmm. holistic approach, more integrative in, in terms of our, um, of our care of ourselves, and that's mm-hmm. fantastic, and I think you're talking to two adherents of that particular philosophy. So let's get into... Let's start talking because I'm a, I'm a, I like facts. I like things like this. You're talking about the 2.3 trillion that we spend, uh, yep. poor outcomes, uh, uh, lower uh, life expectancies by a couple of years over most of the industrial world, um, uh, mortality rates. All these things are happening, and 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 poll after poll shows the American people want at least a public option. They want alternative. They want to be able to make a choice. And yet we're not probably going to get it, or at least what do you think is going to happen at the end of the day with this health care uh, debate? That we're well, well, what I see is a real problem, and it really exposes what's wrong with our with yeah. American culture. Yeah. I mean, Congress is corrupt. They've been bought off by big pharma and by the insurance industry. So we vote for them, and then they, what they do is they represent corporate America. That sets the stage for a conflict of interest that they're not big enough to get past. So they're going to continue to support the insurance industry and try to leave it as untouched as they can. They've gone to bed with big pharmacy, and and that's another big problem. Uh, The FDA is corrupt enough. Uh, We know that because 20 25% of people who work for the FDA are also on big pharma's boards, so we're looking at a conflict of interest there. Uh, medical research is no longer stuff, information that you can trust because most of it is published by Big Pharma. It publishes twice as much as the National Institutes of Health. So the training in schools is not what you want. And, and so you've got a system here that's not responsive to America. It's responsive to corporate America. Until we change that scenario through town hall meetings, which is what I advocate, and what we're doing here locally, I have two town hall meetings scheduled with myself and a past president of the American Medical Association. There's a combination for you. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, it works. Really? I mean, this, this is going to be sensational. Are you arguing over health care? Are you basically agreeing over, over health care reform? We will take some differences of opinion, but to my shock, he read the book. He agrees with what I said, and he's coming out of the closet now. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's it's amazing. Now, what's his position in the uh, AMA? He was the president of the American Medical Association about ten years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. So he, I mean, this is this is a big thing. What's his and What's I, his fellow's name? His name is Lonnie Bristow. Uh, amazing guy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, poll after poll, whether or not, uh, and we can run down the list saying eighty, eighty-five percent want. Uh-huh. Reform and and I think uh, in the words of uh, uh, Frank Luntz, let's just use we are we are calling this the wrong thing. This is not about health care reform. We're not talking about the providers. We're not talking about doctors, nurses, surgeons. We're talking about health insurance reform. And I'm I'm really tired of hearing people talk about it in terms of health care reform. This is about this is about the uh, the financial infrastructure of our system, not the caregivers themselves. 
You're absolutely right, and that's the tragic part about it. And I keep using the word health care reform, and it has nothing to do with it. It's about economic reform to allow the insurance industries to continue to rape us the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening, and it's this collusion with Congress. And as long as Congress is in charge of what's going on, and they're not responsive to us, and as is shown by the town hall meetings where they're throwing eggs and cabbage at these guys, I mean, it's, we're in trouble. So Americans have to go back and rescue what our forefathers gave us 250 years ago through the sacrifices that they did when they signed the Declaration of Independence. And, and this was through town hall meetings then. So America needs to wake up. We need to reclaim our democracy. We need to reclaim our rights. We should start government at the grassroots level and start making changes for real health care reform and make all other kinds of reform part of that as, uh, as a part of it. Because we're not just corrupt in medicine. <clears throat> we're corrupt in politics, in business, in law, in religion, in science, in sport. It's across all spectrums. So this book is not just about health care reform. It's about a social transformation of humanity here in the U.S. Uh, it's called A Return to Healing. The book is uh, Len Sabuto's book, A Return to Healing, a, rad- a Radical Healthcare Reform and the Future of Medicine. And I just want to, because you touched on a couple of these things, I, I think they, the people uh, that are listening to this broadcast need to know. Talk a little bit about ghostwriting that's done now uh, when these articles come out in JAMA and others. They, they have, go ahead, do you describe what? Well, basically what that means is that a researcher who's prominent does a re- supervises to some extent, okay, a research study. Then the pharmaceutical company who is paying for the study says, thank you very much, we have your data, now we're going to interpret it for you. And what that means is they're going to interpret the way they want to. If the study doesn't show anything positive, it's not going to get published. If it doesn't show anything that they want in some areas, they won't talk about that. What they'll do is they'll, they'll publish the parts that they want that make it look like it's better than it is. For example, somebody with pancreatic cancer has six months to live, and they've got a huge breakthrough now, and they're saying you can live 50% longer if you use this drug. And when you think about it, 50% sounds like a big number. But if you're going to live six months, now you live nine months. You may spend $100,000 and be sick during the process. They're not going to tell you that. This is such a serious problem that the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine for 20 years, a physician from Harvard, her name is Marcia Angel, and another, another person is a Ph.D. Uh, working for, uh, as the chief editor of the journal Clinic Investigation. These women quit their jobs. They said, we can't stand seeing the crap that's coming across our desk that's getting published. We're disillusioned, disappointed, and dismayed by it. That's not me. I'm the reporter. Yeah, and this is That's this is a, this is also an indictment of academia. I mean, we're not just talking about researchers. We're talking about universities across the country where this is going right. on every day uh, ba- uh, with with all the money that's coming into universities. Universities right. are becoming more and more an extension of a lot of these corporate interests like the medicine right. industry. They depend on it. Sixty yeah. percent of the teaching uh, chairs of the departments are in bed with big pharma. That's where the money is, yeah. and that's how they are gauged a lot of the time by the teaching institutions as to whether or not they're really people doing a good job. If they bring in $10 million a year for research, they're champs. And where are they going to get it? Who's got the money? Big Pharma. Big Pharma has twice as much money to put in research as the National Institutes of Health, which is our government's research funding. And I understand that uh, the pharmaceutical companies are also underwriting uh, the uh, FDA in terms of uh, they give money for research to help sure. them. Sure. Oh, so, absolutely. And so. here's a good example for you. The, the drug Celebrex still on the market? Right. 
shouldn't be on the market. The reason it is is because they had about 30 people on the panel, which is the final panel making the decision. Ten of those people were intimately involved with Big Pharma, okay, the companies that were involved with, with the drug. The voting barely passed. If you took those ten people out, it would have been voted down 12 to 8. It's that kind of stuff that you see. There's too much collusion between FDA and uh, and Big Pharma. And Congress leaves it that way because they could do a lot about that if they wanted to. All they have to do is do something called fund it. If they funded another uh, $500 million a year, which in a $2.3 trillion budget is nothing, they could clean up the FDA, make it honest, and make it responsible to the people rather than to Big Pharma. Yeah. It's tragic. Yes. We're speaking with Len Saputo. The book is A Return to Healing. And I, I'd like to get back to those town hall meetings. Uh, that you, Did you already, you already had one, I take it? We're or? having one on September 16th, uh -huh. and we have another one at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco on October 5th. Right. Now, what, how is this going to go? I, what, are you going to be discussing the uh, health care insurance reform or health care reform? All of it, and real reform, not just the BS that we're getting from Congress. We're going to look at, at the corruption in Congress, the FDA, Big Pharma, the insurance industry, the medical research industry, and medical education. There's a topic for you, and, yeah. and people will understand it when they're through. And then we're going to stop bellyaching, and we're going to talk about what we need to do to create solutions to this because they're there. But they depend on us, because see, Pogo was right. We found the enemy, they are us. We haven't stepped up to the plate and said, no, we're not going to stand for what's going on in Congress. So now we're back to square one, where the town hall meeting occurs, and at that town hall meeting, we're going to talk about what we want. And then we're going to, at the local level, create programs like we're doing here in Walnut Creek that are very effective at changing how health care is practiced. For example, we've changed the way the city... Uh, feeds people now. They don't put any high fructose corn syrup or other sugars in the first three ingredients. There are no trans fats, and they're making sure there's enough fiber. Every mayor in our county has adopted that uh, with us. We're now moving into the area of, of exercise. So we've got grassroots people doing stuff, and it can be done there as well as politically. Let me ask you a basic question here, and that is well, I have had this discussion with a number of intelligent people, well, I'm always shocked I think to hear. That leaves me out, though, that yeah. I'm always shocked when I, when I have this when I have this debate. I always ask a basic question, which is, is healthcare a right or a privilege? And I've been shocked at how many people have said to me it's a privilege. Now, yeah. I, help now help me explain to them why healthcare is a right. Well, you may not be able to because they they may not be sufficiently evolved as human beings. <laughs> Everybody has a right to a certain basic level of healthcare. But they don't have a right beyond that certain basic level. I mean, we shouldn't have to be doing cosmetic surgeries on people or, or things like that. I don't think that comes as a basic right. But I think that the essentials for living a life that's healthy is our responsibility. When I was in Sicily and I got sick and I wound up in the hospital, they paid every penny of my bill and said it was nice to have you here. Oh. I like that. And it made me feel good about the Sicilian people. It's the kind of thing that we're doing to some extent here. Actually, people all do get care in this country. Even the 47 million Americans that supposedly don't have insurance, they're going to emergency rooms. Hospitals have to take them as patients. They aren't treating them the same as they're treating other people, and a lot of the time they're getting them well enough to go back to the slums and dump them off just in a van and say, okay, you're back to where you were, now start over. That's not right either. 
We have to evolve as a humanity, and until we do that, we're stuck in the situation that we're in now, and there's no hope. But, so we've got we've got to take the responsibility ourselves because it is a right. But Dr. Sabuto, is is it? A, I mean, in other words, when I when I talk to these people, do I say it's it should be constitutionally guaranteed under the idea that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness some some sense uh, within our political structure that it should be a right? Is this an evolving right? Is it, as you would say, the right to privacy was an evolving right? Mm-hmm. Is this something yeah. in that same vein? Because I want to yeah. make this argument because when you Good. say it's a privilege, you have taken off the table the ability to argue whether or not we should provide health care for everyone. Uh, and, and but don't let those morons research. do that. Well, I'm saying, I'm, just saying, I wanna, I'm saying under what context do we say to these people to make them understand? Because many of them are these libertarian types who say, well, I should have the right to you know, drive in the car without a, uh, without a seatbelt. Because yeah, right. I, sh- I have the right to splatter my brains all over the f- windshield if I want right. to. Right, and now, we have the right to pay for it. Yeah, right. I guess, well, okay, I just, I just, it, it, I'm just wondering. If you would say, politically speaking, how I say that. Well, I I agree with you. I think the problem is this. You know, if you have a responsible community, I don't care if it's communism, socialism, fascism, democracy, or Marxism, you've got good people trying to do the right thing, you'll have a successful system. But if you have, I mean, I think the best system is democracy. And I think that's what we should be doing in this country, because we are not that evolved. And you're right. We don't have a constitution that guarantees medical freedom. You can't choose the kind of service that you want. If you're sick and you don't and you can't afford good health care, you're going to get crappy health care. You'll wind up in a county hospital where it's not going to be the same as where the president goes or somebody in Congress goes. These people in Congress who are voting the way that they are should be subject to the same insurance that they're giving to the rest of us. It's like they're sitting off like kings right. and they can do what they and they get this wonderful insurance package. That's wrong. What, when the, the right question is, is asked to the American people in polls. In other words, should yes. should the the government should we have the option to be able to vote for an uh, uh, an option uh, like a Medicare option for ourselves? Seventy percent, seventy percent of the American people say yes. Yeah, well, see, that's and, the problem. And yet, and we yet, have a corporate Congress. Congress right. is, is is corporate now. It's not representing you and me. This isn't we the people. This is Congress in bed with corporate America. Yeah. That's why we need these town hall meetings. We've got to go back to the people, erect our system again from scratch, and make it the way we want it. So we're going to have to get off our fat asses and start doing something that's constructive. So, well, so speak for yourself, so, so, right. so would you? So would you say, would you rather, would, I'm just asking a, a sort of political question, would you rather that, that we got essentially nothing accomplished in this round and went back to the drawing board and said, we're going to do this right. We're going to build a consensus politically, whether or not our politicians want uh, want to do this or not. Or would you like to? Or would would you be disappointed in some kind of a, you know, the trigger or the co-op option, which really would muddy the waters? What, what would you? What do you want to see happen? What's an outcome that you can live with in this? Uh, well, debate? I'm going to live with whatever they they do come up with. It's going to be what it is. I'm already anticipating it's not going to be what I think is right or what you probably would think is right. Yeah. And that's why I think we got to go back to the town halls. Okay. America has to be resurrected from the from the, from what's happened to us, yeah. and we can do it. But we've got to, like I said, get up. We're overweight. This country is sixty five percent of us overweight. That's why I said our fat asses. Oh yeah. And start doing something, okay? That is restoring what we need to have. We can vote these people out of office. We can do that, and we have to have something we want in its place. We can create that, but we have to work for it. We have yeah. to earn it. Democracy is a right, but you have you have to earn it. 
Well, be- now, before we let you go, I had, I had one more question. You're not uh, an unqualified supporter of single-payer insurance. Uh, Definitely not. That's uh, right. Uh, explain yourself a little bit here, because that seems to be the, the big wedge for Obama right. that he keeps giving up on that we're at least hoping he gives us. Uh, well, look, it's between it's between two evils. Do you want the insurance companies regulating your health care? They've already proven what they do. Uh-huh. I mean, they're, they're, they're raping us. Okay, that's that's number one. Then the other option is, okay, well, let's put it in the hands of the government. Well, do you really want that? Is the government doing such a red-hot job in Medicare or the VA or in other systems that it's regulating? The answer to that is no. So what are you going to do then? I think the, I trust the government a slightly bit more than I entrust than I trust corporate America right now because I think it's too business-oriented. Their responsibility is to their stockholders, not as and not providing service. So I say let's go for single payer. I'd be very surprised if single payer even makes it to the table. In fact, I'll be surprised if if the public option makes it to the table. Yeah. But I'm hoping it will. I, I've got I've got I've got a radical idea here. A friend of mine Yay. proposed this. Okay, this is uh, this is fairly, and that is that in his opinion, this friend of mine, his opinion, medical uh, health insurance was really never intended to take care of the little things. It was really right. about the major, the the uh, the cancer treatments, the uh, the liver For transplants. The things you couldn't afford. Well, the things you couldn't afford. How about if we had a two tiered system where the government was in the business, you you were uh, the public option had to do with the big stuff. And the, and the insurance companies competed for the you know the eye exams and the the physicals and the the stuff the the broken foots and the, that kind of sure. stuff where you had a system where they competed where the where the pool of money was smaller so there'd be more competition for it and the government was involved in a system that took care of the big stuff. Well, what I would think that? that's a step in the right direction. Okay, that's a step in the right direction. But the real correction here is in, in we the people standing up and taking our responsibility yeah. to create the system that we want. And that's this is an opportunity. Yeah. Things have gotten so far out of balance that we're so whacked out about it that we have to take some responsibility ourselves. The town hall meetings are the place where we're going to get that started. And it's happening all over America. I, I, I think we're in, a, in yeah. the middle of a social revolution here. Yeah. I, I wanted to say this because I wanted the solution to be at the end of our interview and not at the beginning. I have the solution, you doctor. Do? Yeah, I do. Wow. It's the, it's, it's, it goes back to something that the Chinese used to do de- many centuries oh. ago. And I that love is it already. They, 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 uh, the, 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 in the village, the, you would pay your doctor, your caregiver, That's right. when you were healthy. Okay. That's right. And then when you were sick, you didn't pay them anything. Exactly. So this is the. <laughs> I know that's We've a radical solution, but if, you're if, right. You know, if we only paid when we were healthy yeah. and that's didn't right. pay, we got when, it exactly backwards. When you get sick and, and you're in the hospital, yeah. and something goes wrong and there are complications, the hospital makes more, the hospital staff makes right. more, the doctors make more, and the insurance company pays more. Yeah, and it should be exactly the reverse. Maybe care should be bundled. They're talking about yeah, that yeah. now. If you, if you, if they, if we paid them when we were healthy and not when we were sick, there would be a much different approach to, to medical care. Thanks. Great approach. I like it. All right. Uh, well, is good. there a good place for uh, folks to get in touch with you yeah. online? Yeah. Great. Is no. there a, is there a good place you have a? a oh a yeah, website? sure. They could they, have them go to a return to healing dot com. Okay. The name All of the right. book. Lots of information about what's there, or they can go to my website at alternativehealth.com. That's great. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here on Weekly Signals. The book is A Return to Healing, Radical Health Reform, and the Future of Medicine. Dr. Len Subuto, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You guys are great.
To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.